All right, I feel led of the Lord to move in a, a particular way in our service this morning and uh, really just address in a very practical application what we do here at church. I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. And I ask the question, what are we doing here? And this is not a rebuke. This is not a, you know, chastisement. This is actually uh, to help us understand what it means to assemble as the body of Christ. We've got, in any church, you've got a situation where you always have visitors, you have new converts, people coming to the Lord, and they don't understand what this church thing's all about. Secondly, you also have folks who are coming from, let's say, non-Pentecostal backgrounds. So they hear someone singing in the Spirit, or they hear a tongues, or they, they hear a prophecy, and they're going like, what's going on now? And so we want to share with you what we're doing here, what goes on in our service, and what we're trying to accomplish, more, better said, what the Lord is trying to accomplish among us, and what His desire is for us. So let me make a first statement. If you were to Google church, go to the images on the Google page in Google church, all the images would be of buildings. And what we've done is we've come to a place where we think the church is the building, and the church is not, the building is not the church. The people are the church. So you don't come here on Sundays to be the church. You are the church 24-7, seven days a week. Amen? So we are the church. It's not because we're in the building we're the church. Because we're in the building, the church turned into a church. Right? So wherever you are, the kingdom of God is. So your little cubicle at work, wherever you work, has become a sanctuary for the presence of God because you are the temple of the Lord. So that's key, first of all. It's not about this building. Church is not about the building, the steeple, the pews. You can have two. Remember, Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, I am in your midst. So the authority or the government of God is in our midst when two are gathered together. It could be under a tree. It could be uh, six people in the back room of a business. It, it could be a large cathedral or a medium-sized church. You know, the majority of churches in the United States are 100 people and under. That is the average size of the church. And it's a community of people coming together to celebrate God. So let's, let's uh, try to figure out what we're doing here today, Sunday, the first day of the week. Well, let me ask you a few questions. Number one, uh, why do people go to the gym? Work out. Why are you working out? Exercise, look good, get your muscles strong, be healthy. Okay, very good. Right? It wouldn't make sense to pay your monthly dues to go to the gym and uh, sit there and eat protein drinks all afternoon, would it? You've got to put some effort into it, do some work. What a, why do people go to school? Right? Yeah. We just have graduates who spent 13 years in school, right? Maybe some more than others. Maybe 14. I don't know. I didn't look at their records. But uh, why do you go to school? Some of them are going to be going to college. Why do you pay all that money out in tuition to go to college? To party! No. No, to get an education, right? Obviously, definitely. Now, why do sports teams practice? To win, to get better, to, to know the plays and, the, and how to communicate to each other on the field. 
so that they can do their best, right? Paul uses athletic analogies throughout scriptures. He talks about boxing. He talks about exercising. He talks about making himself fit, running a race so that he can win. Paul understood that all of these things, he talks about the military, all of these things take effort. It takes training. That's why we're here. You're here on Sunday because just like the guy who goes to the gym to grow and to strengthen, you're here to strengthen your faith. The person who is the student goes to strengthen their mind and understanding and mature in that. The sports team that works together is so that they can accomplish their goals and know how to communicate in battle. And here's another one. Why do families gather? Bond. Have relationship, right? Mend problems. Some people stay away from each other. Some families don't do that. To maintain peace. But our goal here is families gather for relationship. And I, and I think that all of that is important. And again, that's why we're here today, for all of these reasons, to build ourselves up, to learn, to grow, to understand the game plan, and to build relationships. That's why you're here. You're not here because you're trying to make God happy with you. Going to church doesn't make God happy with you because you're in a relationship with him inside a church or outside a church. So it doesn't make sense that going to church makes God happy with you. Because if we were all outside the church right now, you still got to deal with the issue of is God happy with me? Does that make sense to you? So being in here is no big deal as far as making God love you more. He loves you perfectly now. So coming to church isn't your duty, right? Coming to church is so that we would grow and strengthen and mature and learn and so that we can be out there the rest of the week being the church. We need to come together to get strengthened and renew our hearts. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to use this chapter to talk about our purpose as a church. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, it says this, What shall we then say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each one of you should have a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church might be built up or edified. So we come together with songs and words of instruction and prophetic revelation and knowledge from the Spirit of God so that we would be built up. What's the opposite of built up? torn down. We're out there all week long, and how many of you get torn down by the world? You see, there are a couple kingdoms in the earth. There are the kingdoms of men, and there is a kingdom of darkness, and then there's the kingdom of God. And so we are either operating in one of those kingdoms. Now, everybody who's operating in the kingdom of men is under the kingdom of darkness, They may not know that or even understand that, but Ephesians chapter 2 says, you who were dead in your trespasses and sin, who were being led astray by the enemy, by the principality of the power of the air. That's the devil. So so no matter what kingdom, whether it's a Chinese kingdom, a Russian kingdom, an American kingdom, whatever political government you're under, they're all under the kingdom of darkness who feed the flesh and try to satisfy themselves. So there's really two kingdoms at war here, and then there's the kingdom of light. And so you come together so that you would be edified or built up. And there's a number of components that go on while we're here this morning. We've already experienced some of them, and I'll go through them with you. But as we come together, we're, we're being built up in our spiritual man. 
in our intellect, in our understanding, emotionally, and in our care for one another so that we can go out there and be the church and in the king, advancing the kingdom of God. Does that make sense to you? That's why you're here. I'm glad you're here. Amen? Let's look at some of these. Yes, uh, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we can see here that teaching and wisdom and learning is very important. We also see that just as important is having a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving so that we continue to praise and worship God. Praise and worship is essential in the kingdom of God. I'll get into that in a few minutes. To some he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? For Ephesians 4.12. To equip the saints, that means build up, edify, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. But there it is again, right? Building up the body of Christ. Building up the body of Christ. It's like being in a gym. It's like going to school, being built up, right? It's like your family reunion, being built up, not tearing down, building the body of Christ. Why? For works of ministry. Where should the ministry be taking place? Outside there, yeah. Out there as we're ministering to those folks, we're being equipped, So he's equipping us. He's speaking into our lives. When we're gathered together here, something's going on. God's going to say something. God's going to do something that you need to hear and need to experience. And that happens, and that's what we're looking for as we assemble as the body of Christ, the government of God. That's cool, isn't it? And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, edify one another, again, build each other up, even also as you do. Hebrews 13, he says, forsake not the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing. So the assembly is really important. Gathering together is essential so that we become equipped, comforted, edified, built up so that we can maintain the work of the kingdom of God, which you and I are responsible for. Amen? That sound good for you? All right. So here's another way of saying it and another way of putting it. All this growing and edifying and building up. Another word for that is to mature. There should be a progression to our church. There should be a progression and a maturing that's going on in the body of Christ. I hope that if you visited us 10 years ago and you would come back, that there'd be something dynamically different about us and hopefully more mature. You know, that we're growing in all aspects of our teaching, of our, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, and so forth. But here's the other dynamic that's at play here in our midst. Hopefully, we're getting new converts being saved, and new people are coming in, and they don't understand any of that stuff. And so we need to be able to instruct them and teach them in the things of the kingdom, but yet at the same time, the rest of the church should be growing and maturing as well. And so we do that in different group settings where we'll have classes for new believers or classes for uh, more mature believers, I'll put it, uh, growing and understanding in the knowledge of the Lord, right? And, and that's what's supposed to happen. Now, sometimes churches uh, use their assembly together on Sundays for evangelism to get people saved. Personally, I don't see that that is the gathering of the church on the first day of the week. 
You see, the church gathered on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and they gather uh, historically and biblically because that's the day of Christ's resurrection. Jesus rose on the first day of the week, and so he declares the new creation and the new beginning, and so we celebrate Resurrection Day. Sabbath is Saturday. We celebrate Resurrection Day, the Lord's Day, on Sunday, the first day of the week. And it is the gathering of the elect, the people of God who are saved. And so I don't see that gathering as one of an evangelistic outreach. And here's the reason why. Because what happens is the church should be maturing and providing a depth of maturity for the people. And if we stay at a level of introductory ministry every week, uh, we don't find the depth that we need to be moving into, right? And so I see that God uh, wants His church gathered together for that. And that's why I'm using the Corinthian model this morning in 1 Corinthians 14. I have a feeling we'll be going through this uh, for a couple weeks. I have seven points to share with you, and I got to three of them this morning. So we'll have to, uh, you know, continue this on. But why the Corinthian model? Because Paul takes some time in the book of Corinthians to explain to these folks what worship should be like and look like and sound like. Uh, And so we have a glimpse into the early church through the book of Corinthians. And they had some problems. The early church did. Whenever you gather people together, guess what you're going to get? That's exactly it. Yeah. And, And so we look at the instructions in the book of Corinthians, and I find it fascinating. There's about four or five chapters discussing what you should do when you gather together. All right? How many of you have been to different churches? Right? Everybody. Sure. And, and we're not talking about um, styles. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about purpose. Because there's going to be different styles. Some people, you, you know, you go down south and there's a different feel of the music there, right? Uh, you go someplace else, maybe more historical church, you're going to get a different type and sound and culture there. So culture isn't the issue. Style isn't the issue. Uh, I've been in worship services in South Africa, and there's a culture there. They're worshiping in their own. This is interesting. When you look at the book of Revelation, isn't it interesting that we are not going to lose our culture? I think that's cool. Because all the people singing, every nation, tribe, and tongue is worshiping God. So, So there's tribe and there's tongue, and so there's culture. God loves it. I, I, I think that's cool. Yeah. I think the culture of South Africa is going to have a chance to worship God, and we're all going to sit back and go, oh, that is good. Yeah. And then Eskimos are going to come forward, and he's going to say, come on, bring it on, Eskimos. Now, I don't know how Eskimos worship. Early missionaries used to bring their Bibles and hymnals over to different lands, and right, you know, they'd go to China, and they'd try to teach the Chinese Wesleyan hymns. Right? It's like, uh, I don't know, Taylor Hudson used to begin to dress like the Chinese to win them, and he made more inroads than trying to convert everybody to a culture that is not kingdom. We're not interested in culture. So churches have different cultures. That's cool. God loves it. God respects it. Don't think for a minute that the culture of Christ Community Church is somehow better than the cultural uh, worship of another church. That's foolishness. But it's the purpose of why we're here. And Paul gets into it in Corinthians, and he talks about the purpose. 
And he goes into it in chapter 11, and he says, well, look, at when you guys come together to celebrate the covenant, the Lord's meal, you're making a mockery of it. This is outrageous. He says, you know, you come together, and you have little love feasts, and you have food. Some of you bring it back so much food that you're gluttonous, while people on the other side of the meeting hall are starving. And you're eating, you know, potato salad and chicken wings, and these people got nothing. Well, I packed it myself. You know, or he says that, that some of you are backbiting and, and grumbling and fighting against each other, uh, and you're celebrating the Lord's Supper, which is being forgiven in Christ, and you can't forget the, forgive the brother you're in the hall with. Do you see what I mean? So he, he has to deal with that attitude in worship. Then he talks about spiritual giftings. He says, you look, don't think one of you is better than another. He says, just because one of you might have this gift, you're all valuable. You're all a part of the body of Christ. Are all of you an eyeball? Could you imagine one big eyeball? He says, no, no. You know, someone's a toe, someone's a finger, someone's a, uh, an ear. It matters. Some of you, are, you're not seen, you know, you're undercover, uh, and some of you are more visible. So he talks about the body of Christ functioning and working together. Let's not have jealousies or a hierarchy. And then he goes into... Uh, before he talks about spiritual gifts, he wants to talk about love. He says, you know, I could speak with the tongues of angels and men, but if I don't have love, it's just a bunch of noise. I could give myself to, to poverty and care for those people who are in need, but if I don't have love, what's the point? It's all driven by love. And so when we assemble, there should be an assembly of love here and a care and an edifying and a building up, not a tearing down. He then goes into spiritual gifts and talks about how they should function. And so we're going to get into all that. And so the Corinthian model should display three things that we're going to see. That as we gather, these three things is what we want happening here. Number one, our worship or our gathering should be dynamic. Dynamic. Dynamism. In other words, it has a life of its own. This week's service is not a copy of last week's service. We might have an order and form. We, we really, here's our order and form. We're going to worship God and we're going to study His Word. And what happens in between all that? I don't know. We don't have that planned. And so that's where you leave. It's a dynamic act of worship. We may praise a little bit longer or less. Right? We, we're not going by stop clocks or watches. And so it needs to be dynamic. We believe that God will dynamically speak to his people and move upon his people in a way that we have an expectation. I hope that you have a dynamic expectation of coming to church because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what God's going to say. God might be using you today to speak or to pray to someone. I hope it's dynamic. Secondly, we want it to have depth. And that's what I meant earlier. We want to go deep. I, I, we want to, some of you need to be used in a way you've never been used in a worship service. Some of you need to step out and, and get a little, you know, risky here that you might need to pray for someone. You might lift your hands up this week and begin to praise God with your eyes shut and abandon yourself to God and listen to the voice of the Spirit of what He's saying. This might be radical for some of you, but there should be an ever-increasing depth into your experience of why we're here. Okay? So if we want this place to be dynamic, you have to be dynamic. Does that make sense? If you want to go deeper, you got to go deeper. Okay? So that's it. And then thirdly, our God delivers. That when the assembly comes together, 
I consider the early church, when they gathered together, something happened. The Spirit of God moved and poured out on people. People talk about how the early church gathered in houses, and they did, but they also, if you look at Acts chapter 1 and 2, they gathered at Solomon's colonnade at the temple. They publicly gathered as a group of believers together. And when they gathered, people were healed, people were delivered, something took place because the believers came together. Okay? So that's what we're here for, a dynamic, deep, delivering relationship with God. I don't know about you, but that's the church I want to attend. That's where I want to be. And I believe that's what God is trying to accomplish wherever his people meet. And it can happen in different ways. It doesn't have to take on one particular form. All right? We Pentecostals want everyone to do it this way. But it can happen in a Presbyterian church, a Methodist church. It can happen anywhere. Those who are followers called out of the Lord. All right? And so that's what God wants to do in our midst. So I'm going to give you seven things that God's going to do. And we're just going to take a very practical walk through them. Okay? So here's the first one. Here's the reason we're here. Because we are the kingdom of God. The Greek word for church is ecclesia, okay? Or ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it, okay? And ecclesia is the called out ones, and it's a word used in Greek uh, culture that were those officials who were called out to meet together to rule and govern the principles of the people. You're the ecclesia. You're called out from a world of lost souls. Get this concept, because this is the reality. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been called out as the ecclesia from all those souls of the world to gather together, and we assemble together on the first day of the week, the day of resurrection, so that we will hold counsel to the kingdom purposes of God. And so that as God is speaking to us dynamically and deliberately, we are finding out what does God want us to do? What does he need to repair in me this week? What do I need damage? Do I need to repair with my brother? Where do I need to get my head for this week's administration of the kingdom of God? This is governmental authority. You are here today to make your declaration and cast the will of God into the earth for the purposes here. There are people here who are sick and who have been afflicted by the kingdom of darkness or simply by the state and condition of a fallen world that need the kingdom and ambassadors of God to pronounce declaration over them that you are healed or I will care for you, that you can make this, we'll build you up, we'll edify you, and you can get through what you're going through. To declare, look, we've got an award from the cities here, the two cities around about us, Roseville and East Point, because they understand that when the church comes together, we're making kingdom declarations of what needs to be done in this city. We need to make some decisions right now as to what we're going to pray for and what kingdom we're going to pray against. We need to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. There are certain things I shared with you two weeks ago about some political situations going towards same-sex marriage. Well, the kingdom of God is now deliberating as to whether we're going to allow the work of the enemy to captivate the definition of marriage. What say ye, people of God? Do you see what I'm saying? 
We're praying together. We're working together. We're getting one mind, one heart because we're the called out. We're the only kingdom of God on earth that there is. All those who claim Jesus Christ as Lord are part of that bride of Christ, the kingdom. And what is so cool is that God is so interested that what he's saying in this church over in Ohio, he's speaking to the churches there for whatever corner of the street they're on, he's speaking to them a dynamic, deliberate word into their situation, into their life, because the kingdom of God is being administrated throughout the earth. In China, in Russia, in South America, in South Africa, the king is holding counsel with all his people. Now what's cool is because of the time zones, this thing goes on 24-7. And it's nonstop that the kingdom of God assembles itself to hear what God is saying to his people and to begin praying and declaring the will of the Lord in the earth. And if you don't understand that, you need to read the story again of how Abraham began to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, Lord, but if there be ten righteous. You see, he was interceding on behalf of saving a society of people. Because if there are enough righteous, God will hold back his wrath. Because God knows that if ten people out of ten thousand are believers, he can take that city for the kingdom. We think we need more money and more political clout. We got all the clout and money we need. We've got the kingdom of God. What we need is agreement. Right? And so this is the purpose we assemble, first of all. So you don't need to miss church. Look, I'm not saying this to get you here for some big deal for me. It doesn't matter to me. I care about the kingdom. You need to get here because there's business to take care of. Right? We got business to take care of. How many of you know that? Right, so you get in the car and you say, I got to get to church because we are going to make a kingdom decision today. Our society and our city depends on what kind of warfare we do in the heavenlies this morning. That's why we gather, first of all. And see, a lot of people miss that. They think, well, I got to go to church or I'll feel guilty that I didn't make Jesus happy. So much more than that. So much more than that. And I want to encourage you. And so we need to pay attention. We need to offer our heart to God. We need to give ourselves to the Lord and really understand the purpose of these things. You know, we take a collection each week. And that's, that's cool, you know. Some people are like, all the church ever wants is money, right? How many of you heard that? All they ever want is our money. You know, I've been to a lot of restaurants and all they ever want is money. <laughs> you know, I, this is a good food. Do I have to pay? I'm going to leave, right? Why is it you ever go to the movies and you have to buy a ticket even before you get in? We should charge admission. (laughs) All the church ever wants is money. Where do you go where they don't ask you for money? Because you gotta have lights and you gotta have a roof and you gotta. I mean, let's get past that, can we? You know, let's get beyond that. Uh, The kingdom of God is funded by you and I giving our cash. And the reason we give our cash is so that the kingdom of God will be preached and it will advance. Now, we could do a lot better. If we give to the kingdom of God and set that as a priority, I'm putting this out there, uh, instead of pocket change and instead of extra money at the end of the week after we've gone to the movies, gone to dinner, gone to here and bought everything we need to buy, and then Jesus, here's a couple bucks. Hope the kingdom spreads. It needs to be right up front. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God, your first fruits financially should show that you mean business with the kingdom of God. 
I'll tell you another thing. Once you put your money in, you invest in. And so I can encourage you that if you are invested in the kingdom of God, you need to put your money where your mouth is. Jesus spoke more about money than any other issue when he taught because he knew that where your money is, so your treasure lies, right? That's where your heart is. So let's, let's understand that. But anyways, we assemble because we're the kingdom of God. Secondly, the reason we come together here is because we worship God. When you get two Christians together, there's one thing they can definitely agree on. God is good. Amen? Jesus is Lord. He is worthy of all praise. We might sprinkle, they might dunk. Right? They might have those communion cups that have that little piece of whatever it is. I think it's a cracker of sorts and a little thing. But we might have real bread and and real cups. One might have a common cup and someone might have... It doesn't matter. What we can agree on is we love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart, mind, soul, and body. The first thing we do, and the reason when we come together is we say greetings and all that, but we worship God first. Because that's why we're here. That's the reason any one of us is here, is because He saved us. And so the first thing we do is as the people of, people of God come together, we worship Jesus. Now I'll tell you why we do that. Because it gets us in one accord and one mind and one heart. There's a principle here at work. And so we'll come together and we'll sing songs. Now, what songs? It doesn't matter. You know, no, but we do know that the holy songs were written in the 1800s. Anything after that is just cheap. You'll get arguments like that. All you got to do is go back to the 1800s and figure out that Charles Wesley was taking tunes from the bars and putting Christian words to them. People were aghast back then, but give it 100 years and then they become so holy and sacred that we have to do Wesleyan hymns, right? Same Luther did the same thing, all this stuff. That's not the point. You know, we can go back to chanting psalms because uh, in some places in the early church it was just speaking psalms in a monotone style was their act of worship. That doesn't matter. It's not the music. It's not the style. Here's the key. In the book of Acts, in the upper room, they were in what? One mind, one accord. And so we sing songs. We'll put them up there. It doesn't matter if it's on a screen. Isn't it funny all this silly stuff we argue about? I would rather have a hymnal. Whatever. A piece of paper. Write it on the person's head behind them. Whatever. But the thing is, we're saying the same words together with a conviction and a purpose. Therefore, we're in one mind and one accord. And what God can do with the people who stand in agreement is a lot. That's when the Spirit of God can then begin to use and move in the orchestration of His body when they're no longer independent of each other, right? Have you ever tried to do something when your body is not thinking with your brain? just doing anything it wants, that's a problem. But now the body comes together and we're singing one heart, one mind, one song, praising God. And God can then speak and move in us to bring us to tears or to bring us to praise and excitement and adoration. He can begin to dance with us as we begin to move and hear what He's saying to His people. That's why we worship Him. Because he's worthy of it. And I'll tell you one thing. The most important thing you and I need to do 
is get our brains off of us for 10 minutes. Right? Oh, we're so consumed with us. We're so consumed with me, with I, with me. My stomach's saying it's hungry. When are we going to eat? I want to do this. My feet are saying, oh, I'm going to cross my other leg. I'm tired of sitting like this. We're so self-consumed. We need to get God-consumed. So we have to have grateful hearts, thankful hearts, and what we'll do, it will introduce a level of glory and ministry that the Lord can then begin to speak into our souls because typically we're so guarded and so protected through the week that if God spoke to us, we wouldn't listen. We need to get into a place where we'll begin to worship Him, get our minds off ourselves, be in one accord, and know that we're called of God to assemble and exalt Him and now our hearts are open to hear what God has to say. Amen? And that's important. It could be loud, it could be soft. We start with praise and it moves into worship and intimacy. And that's where God wants to bring us. Now, I've got so much more to share with you this morning. And uh, I'm going to stop there. And so we assemble to declare the kingdom of God and His purposes and we begin doing that, first of all, by honoring the king. Does that make sense to you? And so that's what we've done this morning. And in doing this, setting his will before ours, his agenda before ours, wanting to go into a level of depth and purpose, we begin to worship him to open our hearts to his glory and majesty, to begin to open our eyes to see in the spirit realm to give our ears the ability to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Don't you find it interesting that as Jesus spoke to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, seven being the number of the perfected church, as he's speaking to those seven churches, every message he has to them is this, to those who have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying. That says that there are assemblies of people who gather who do not pay attention to what God is trying to say to them. And so he's praying for his own people, if you would hear what I have to say to you. So when we gather, and with what's going on here, a dynamic activity, keep your ears open. God's speaking to you. God is doing something with you and through you as we exalt him in one accord. Amen? Let's bow our heads.